Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? It's been a great morning of worship already. I'm so thankful for the worship team. Let's just give them a hand of leading us this morning. And after that last song, I'm pretty sure we could all just go home. Amen? But I'm not going to let you guys do that this morning. Sorry about it. We are in our second week of our series, Any Given Sunday, and I am just full of expectation for the ways that God is going to work in our hearts today from the passage that we're going to look at in my heart and in your heart as we come before him today and say, God, teach me something new. So when I was five years old and I was in kindergarten, there came that very special day when you got to have picture day. Who remembers this? You got to get your picture made for the yearbook, right? So there's, this is serious business, especially, you know, 5K is going to go down in history. And so I remember there's a little bit of thought that goes into this, right? You got to think about what you're going to wear. And I had quite an array of outfits at five years old. And you got to think about how you're going to do your hair or how your mom is going to do your hair. And then, of course, the question that honestly I still ask every time I get a picture taken to show my teeth or not show my teeth. Does anyone else struggle with that, yes, I never know. Who, who knows? We'll see how it happens with my 5K picture. So I remember putting a lot of thought into this, and I went off to school the next day to get my picture taken for the kindergarten yearbook. Now, I remember when we got there, it was our turn to come to go and line up. Now, it was pretty standard, just like pretty much, I'm sure, when you got your picture taken. Someone would come, and they would get our class and you would go to the cafeteria, you would line up, and another class was finishing up before you. There was a nice scene that was set in the room, a nice little platform with a beautiful backdrop and an adorable little wooden chair that we were going to get to sit in. So it's like, oh, this is exciting. This is going to be like my moment. My parents are going to be pumped about my picture. And so... I remember when we go and we line up single file line, we always had to line up in alphabetical order, and my last name is Ward. So I was in the very back of the line. And so after a few minutes of sitting there or standing there and waiting for my turn as the, as the line was very slowly moving, I realized I needed to go to the potty, okay? So I raised my hand, I told my teacher, hey, I really need to go to the potty, you know? I still say potty, even though I'm grown, but that's just what we do. And so I said, you go to the potty, she says, uh, you're gonna have to wait, we have to wait our turn. I'm like, I don't love being told no. If you know me, that's like a constant struggle that the Lord's working on me with. And so I said, okay, so I'll wait a few more minutes, but again, it's taking forever to move through the line. All the A's, the B's, the C's, they're going. And so I end up asking again, and she very quickly told me, we have to wait till we're done with our pictures. Okay, well, this was really starting to get to me. So I tried, I waited a few more minutes, and then I said, all right, I'm just gonna have to ask her one more time and let her know it's really an emergency, you know? And I don't know who came up with like the number system for going to the bathroom, okay? But I remember I needed to inform her that it was a number one. So we're like in safe territory here this morning, no worries. So I had to tell her it was a number one. For some reason, she did not think that was an emergency. And she said, listen, you can't go to the bathroom until you've had your picture taken. And when we get done, we will go by class to bathroom time. Well, in that moment, I had a serious decision to make. I was gonna prove her wrong and embarrass myself right then and there because she had told me no so many times or I was gonna try to honor her and wait for class time. And I am very proud to let you know today as a grown woman that I did not stand there in that line and prove her wrong. 
No, I'm much more dramatic than that. I was bound and determined that I was going to hold it until it was the right moment to prove her wrong, which is when I stepped up onto the platform, sat in the wooden chair, I gave this smile, and I just let it flow. 5K. That is a face that knew exactly <laughs> what I was doing. My parents have this picture really large in their house, and every time I see it, I'm like, Mom, do you remember that's the Yeah, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I remember, I remember. And it caused a major scene, and the teacher, honestly, I think, got in a little bit of trouble because I said, I told her three times I needed to go. Okay, you see, I was willing in that moment... I was willing in that moment to sacrifice my pride and embarrass myself and prove my point. I want to apologize to anybody who is a teacher in the room this morning and any children. I'm sorry. Don't ever do anything like that. But I was willing to do that because I thought that seeing my teacher scramble and deal with that was going to be absolutely worth it. It was a sacrifice that I counted the cost for, and kind of still today, I don't regret it, because I think it was worth what had to be dealt with. Now, when we think about the word sacrifice, this is what should come to our mind. A sacrifice is a loss or something that you give up for the sake of a better cause. Let's read that again, and let's hone that in. A sacrifice is a loss or something that you give up for the sake of a better cause. Now, just to get our mind around the idea of sacrifice this morning, I'm gonna test you guys out and put you in some decisions that you're gonna have to make. Here's one I'm faced with a lot. You wake up late, it's Monday morning, it's the start of the work week, right? You wake up late, about 20, 30 minutes late, you have to choose, am I gonna take a shower or am I gonna put a baseball hat on and just go to work? Or am I just gonna choose to be late and take the shower? How many of you are forced with this decision often? Okay, yes, there you go, a few of you are. Now in that moment, you have to decide, is it a better cause for me to be clean today and to have a certain look, or do I want my boss to be mad at me? I'm gonna get there on time, that's an easy one. All right, how about this? How about you decide to start counting your calories? I'm sure a lot of us in the room have done before. You say, all right, I gotta start cutting back. Um, you know, diet starts tomorrow, that's always the phrase, diet starts tomorrow. Okay, well, tomorrow comes and you show up to work in the first meeting, your HR person says, hey, I've provided a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts for you today. I just wanted to lift everyone's spirits. Amen. In that moment, you have to decide, man, am I gonna sacrifice the calories or pure glory? Okay, now if it was a Dunkin' Donut, easy to pass up, am I right? Easy to pass up a Dunkin' Donuts. There we go, somebody else knows what they're talking about. But in that moment, you gotta decide. Here's one that I know a few of you probably deal with, maybe that are serving in the band or on production team this morning. You really, really wanna buy the new Adidas shoes. These shoes are ridiculous. They're between like $150, $300 now. You gotta choose, do I want the coolest pair of shoes or do I wanna pay rent this month? You know, that's the situation we're in for some of you. But here's the thing, a sacrifice, for there to be an actual sacrifice, you have to be willing to lose or give something up for the sake of a better cause. And the better cause is a thing that will help you determine the decision that you end up making at the end of the day. You see, we're in this series, Any Given Sunday. Trevor did an amazing job last week of kicking this series off, and this is what it's about. We believe that any given Sunday could be somebody's Sunday. 
It could be somebody's Sunday to experience God for the first time. It could be somebody's Sunday to really have the, the face, the reality of their addiction and that to be broken, for them to be able to come and weep at the front of the stage and say, God, I want to give my life to you. That can happen on any given Sunday. And we want to be the kind of people who are ready and full of expectation to meet those needs. But here's the thing. Sunday is just the catalyst for that. We know that apart from just Sunday, that out of this, it's really a springboard for all the different ways that God is at work in the world, all the different ministries that happen throughout this campus, throughout this community, and throughout the world, and it really begins to happen within local churches. And so I say to us today that any given Sunday could be somebody's Sunday. Maybe today will be your Sunday. But I want us to look at the reality that any given Sunday here at Mount Horb could not happen without somebody's sacrifice. Any given Sunday could not happen actually without many people's sacrifice. And the driving reality behind what has to be happening in these people's minds and hearts as they choose to do some of the things that they do is that they believe what they are doing for the Lord and for the church is for a better cause than what they are having to lose or give up. This is a basic Christian principle that we're taught in the book of Romans. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans 12. You see, Paul the Apostle has spent 11 chapters unpacking what it means to have the love of Christ change you. 11 chapters, he's written this book to the believers who were in Rome. Some of them were Gentiles who had been converted. Some of them were Jewish people who had been changed by the love of Jesus. And he's saying, hey, remember all the things that God has done. This is what the work, the loving, sacrificial love of Jesus has done for you. And then it comes to verse chapter 12, verse one. And I want us to read this together. Here's what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. It says here to the Christians, hey, brothers and sisters, I need you to remember, I need you to keep in, in view, I need you to keep in mind what God has done for you. And in turn, I want you to offer your own body as a living sacrifice. Now, when we first read that in our culture, in our context today, we're like, okay, y'all about to bring something weird out and start burning some incense? I promise, we're not, okay? There's like, red alert, red alert, okay, we're leaving. That's not what's gonna happen. But let me tell you this, when these Christians who received this letter the first time, and as it would have circulated throughout the churches there, there was an immediate context for what this was about. There was an immediate context for sacrifices specifically. You see, in this day and time, the sacrificial system was something that everyone would have been very familiar with. These people for centuries would have known that their people have been giving sacrifices to God. They would take something of great worth or great value. They would bring it to an altar and they would lay it down or they would sacrifice it. They would give it up because they knew in doing that they would receive something. It was for a great cause. This happened throughout pagan cultures. This happened throughout the Jewish culture. 
People felt like there was something they needed to appease God for in these pagan cultures. They didn't want to live like that. They had a guilty conscience. And in fact, in the law, in the Old Testament, God had provided ways for sacrifices where they would bring a sacrifice to the altar and it would appease their conscience and they would be able to deal with the guilt that they had for their sin and for their brokenness. Here's the thing, and I know we don't like talking about this kind of stuff because I'm an animal lover. But one major part of the law is when they had to bring an innocent animal to the priests to be sacrificed on the altar. This was something they had to do. Here's one interesting thing. Animals actually during that time were seen of great value. That's how they counted their wealth. So it was something of great value that they brought to the altar, they laid down, and the innocent animal was then killed. So these Christians, when it starts talking about sacrifices, they know about sacrifices. They come from a history where this is a very common thing. And not only did they know about it, they've experienced it in a new, in a fresh way because these Christians knew there had been centuries of this, but now Jesus Christ has stepped in. Let's look at this. This is an incredible passage. Hebrews 10, eight through 10. It says this, for Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Somebody better say hallelujah to that. Once for all time. So these Christians knew Jesus had come and the sacrificial system was over, it's dead, it's gone. That's an old way of doing things. Now there's a new way. And here Paul says, I want you to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now here is why it was a new concept. A living sacrifice? I mean, I thought sacrifices weren't living. I thought they lost their life. I thought they weren't alive. What is actually going on here? You see, what we're being challenged to do in this passage in Romans 12 is to be willing to lay down our very lives, to be willing to lay down our bodies in full surrender in order to fully live for what matters, in order to fully live and be the hands and the feet of Jesus to a broken world. That is a much better cause. You see. There may have been a time when you think about, okay, laying your life down for the Lord. There may have been a time where you said, yes, I wanna be used by God. I know that God saved me. I wanna be used by God. And maybe you have come to that place where you laid your life down and said, God, use me. But somewhere along the way, it got difficult. Somewhere along the way, it got hard. Somewhere along the way, you faced something where you said, oh, I gotta back out of that because now I gotta go deal with this. Or maybe I feel like I wanted to be a living sacrifice, but now I'm missing out on all these things everybody else is doing, so I'm just gonna not do that anymore. I'm gonna take a hiatus just for maybe about six months. Maybe that has been your mindset. But here, D.L. Moody says this, and I think this is a very powerful quote. It says, The problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off of the altar. Literally, every time I say that out loud, I'm like, ugh. It just kind of of gives you the heebie-jeebies. The problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off 
of the altar. You see, we can be a fickle people. We can be people who are committed one moment and then decide I'm gonna crawl right off because now it's inconvenient. I'm gonna crawl right off because now I don't wanna miss out on this thing and so I don't really wanna have to say, God, I want you to do what you wanna do in my life. I wanna crawl off the altar. Or how about this? I know this is something that many, many people struggle with today. When we fail, we sit in our own failures and we say, oh man, God could never use me now. And so we wallow in our failures and when we look at our own shame, we crawl right off the altar instead of doing what the passage says is, hey, keep in view, keep in mind, remember the mercy of God that he's had on your life. And when that is your perspective, you will see that it's nothing you have done. And so you can stay on the altar and say, God, change me, God, use me. You see, a living sacrifice understands it's a continual process of laying yourself down. It's a continual process of saying yes to God. You know, sometimes it's harder to live for what matters rather than die for what matters because living for what matters is the decision you have to make over and over again. It's a continual saying, yes, use me, God. And it's because of what Jesus has already done that you even have the opportunity to do that. You see, what I don't want us to forget this morning is this is not something that you need to do out of religious duty. This is not some religious duty that you have to do in order to be seen faithful. This should come out of relationship. Everybody in here has some sort of relationships in their life, and I want you to think about somebody right now that you would be willing to do anything for. You know, when I think about sacrifice, and someone who has shown what sacrifice looks like to me, I think about my mama, okay? I still call her mama. Here's a picture of us. We've been buddies since day one. This is us. We went to a Red Sox game a couple of years ago. And we, anybody in Red Sox fans? Okay, no? Okay, I like two people. Awesome. So Fenway Park is the oldest baseball stadium in the U.S. It's built in 1912. And so my mom and I have a great relationship. We, have, we always do things together. We travel together. We talk on the phone at least once a day. And here's the thing. When I think about my mom, I think about someone who has laid her life down for me over and over again. She has she has given up many things in order to see me succeed. I've never for one day felt not supported by her because I can look from day one on, she has sacrificed for me. Now, if for a moment she needed something, if for a moment I would feel inconvenienced in any way, if for a moment I would feel like, oh, I wish she wouldn't ask me to do that because I don't want to drive all the way home today and have to deal with that. If that would be something that comes to my mind, I would need to quickly bring into view what she's done for me. I would need to quickly remember the life that she has lived, laying herself down for me so that I can live fully. I would need to quickly remember that. And I tell you what, real quick, I would have a perspective change because it's personal. I would say maybe some of us here today need a perspective change. Some of us today need a perspective change and we need to remember the personal love that Jesus has had for each one of us. You see, as the passage goes on, the way it describes it is it's a holy and a pleasing 
sacrifice to God. Your living sacrifice is holy and pleasing. And let me let everybody in the room know this is not because of anything we've done. It's because of what Jesus has already done that we can say holy and pleasing. But guess what? There's some responsibility on our end. There's some responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ when we come to the altar. And it says this in uh, Romans 12. I'm gonna reread verse one and then we're gonna go right into verse two. It says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, as holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, it says, as you're living your life as a sacrifice, as you're laying it down to be used by God, you need to pay attention to some things. What you say, how you act, what you do actually matters. You need to pay attention to some things in your life. You see, this phrase, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but then going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's some interesting things that are going on here. Upon first reading it, it's like, okay, basically don't be influenced bad and you know, do good things, you know, let God change you. There's so much more going on in these words and what it actually means. You know, do not conform means don't be shaped, don't be pushed into a mold because of the influence around you. This word denotes that there is an outward pressure that's changing something, that's forming something. The easiest way I can describe it is Play-Doh. How many of you have Play-Doh in your house, in your carpet, on the walls? You just, if you have kids, you just can't get rid of it. Okay, it's just everywhere. I love Play-Doh, it's fun to play with, but here's the thing about Play-Doh. You take Play-Doh and you can make it into anything you want it to be. If you have a mold for a bumblebee, Put that sucker right in there. You got a little bumblebee Play-Doh. If you want it to be spaghetti, stick in that little ringer, squirt it out. There it is. You have Play-Doh spaghetti. It becomes whatever it is molded into. Paul's saying, hey, hey, don't be molded in a way from the outside world around you, the day, the age, the culture. Don't just do what everybody around you is doing. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, this word is a word we're probably all familiar with. It's the word metamorphosis. It's the same word used in science to describe a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. That's not happening because of some outside pressure. It's happening because of an internal process that is taking place, an internal change that then shows an amazing result on the outside. Paul says, do not conform be transformed, because a living sacrifice understands the need for transformation. A living sacrifice understands the need for transformation. You see, when you choose to lay your life down on the altar for God, you are saying, keep changing me. You are saying, I wanna love like you. I wanna be able to serve people like you. I wanna be able to care about the things that matter. This world is a broken place. People in my family are broken. I want you to use me, but I need you to change me. I got, I got anger issues or I, I, got, I struggle with this. I don't have patience. God, I need you to change me. I need you to be transforming me with your love from the inside out. A living sacrifice doesn't show up to the altar and say, you're welcome. Thank you, Izzy. 
A living sacrifice does not show up and say, you're welcome, I've been, I've been really honing my skills and my gifts, and I mean, you know, have at it, and we, I'm gonna bless so many people. That's not the heart and mind of a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice says, God, I come and I lay myself on the altar and the holy fire of God, the spirit of God begins to burn away the things in my life that don't most reflect him to the world. A living sacrifice understands the need for constant transformation. The past few weeks, I have been going to a CrossFit gym, so pray for me. Um, so me and uh, two of my best friends, they, uh, I wanna say they drug me into it, but not really, they just said, hey, let's do this thing. Okay, so we're gonna do this four-week challenge together. I have three weeks behind me, I'm going into week four, starting tomorrow, which is supposed to be the end of the challenge. We'll see if I decide to stick with it after that. And uh, you know, to do this has required a bit of sacrifice. I'm not like a gym person, I don't like work out. And I um, also love Krispy Kreme donuts, but I have you know, tried to stop eating those also during this challenge. And so um, when, I, when we committed to do this thing, um, my friend, the, the gym we picked is down close to her house and it's literally right beside Williams Bryce Stadium, okay? What you need to know is that I live in Irmo, okay? It's quite a drive. And then the other thing that you need to know to put this whole picture together is two of the classes of the week are at 5 a.m., okay? So my alarm clock goes off at four o'clock. My feet hit the ground. I get up, I get ready. I'm doing my stuff. I leave my house at 4.30. I'm driving downtown, pick my friend up. We're in the gym and literally do a workout for one hour. And like, I want to tell you I'm strong, but I am so weak. I can't, I can't do anything. I'm in there just dying. Six o'clock, I leave. I'm back home making my coffee, looking for birds on my back porch besides before most of you have even gotten up. Amen? It's early. But here's the thing, I have, uh, I've put in a good bit of sacrifice with this. Now what would happen if I would've went that first time and I said, all right, I'm gonna do it. I'm waking up at four o'clock, I'm gonna drive down there, I'm gonna work out for an hour, I'm sweating, I'm really putting the work in. I got back home and I just said, oh, I can't wait to see the results from this. And I just sat back and waited for it. Someone gonna know what I'm talking about. I worked hard this morning, Lord, shed the pounds, you know? Some of us know what I'm talking about this morning. Now, if I did that, I'd still be waiting for the pounds to be shedding, right? Because that is not how it works. We understand that it is a process that for a transformation to happen, you have to keep showing up and you understand there is a process to often we do something good for the kingdom. Too often we choose to do the right thing over the wrong thing and then we wanna sit back and coast and say, that was tough, I'm gonna take a six month break. I mean, I did say yes to going on the middle school trip as a chaperone. And now, that was some serious sacrifice and now I'm just gonna sit back and just say, Lord bless it, but I'm gonna have to take a break from laying my life down because that was a little bit too much for me. You see. A living sacrifice understands it's a continual laying down of yourself and that there's a transformation that you need. We need to be continually changing. You know, one of the ways, when I was reading through this, I thought about this. One of the ways that I think we're easily conformed, shaped, pushed, pressed into a mold of the way the world thinks today is that you are being told constantly by outside influences that life is all about you, 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 you. 
If I listen to all those things, I'm like, I'll do things that only benefit me, 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 me. And I might sacrifice something, but not if it's, gonna, not, if it's not gonna heavily benefit me. Benefit others, no way. I'm not living like that. You see, when we begin to be transformed in the way that Jesus talks about, we begin to realize life is not all about me. We begin to realize, hey, maybe I could live for something bigger than myself. Hey, maybe I could live for something that really matters. You know, they say, psychologists have talked about how when they've studied this, this pattern, that people that choose to only live for themselves and that's all that they do, they actually end up being a miserable person. Because deep down, everybody wants to feel like they have purpose. And I'm telling you today, to live for your life for something that's bigger than yourself is a beautiful thing with purpose. This is the church. This is the church. People coming together and laying their life down for something bigger than themselves. I want us to look at uh, Romans 12, four through six, as this passage goes on. Now, this has been interesting. Come as a living sacrifice, offer your body. Don't conform, be transformed. And then a couple verses later, it takes a turn that I think is so interesting. It says this in verse four, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. You see, when we as a church come together and we say, hey, I'm gonna do my part, I'm gonna lay myself down, we come together as the body of Christ representing his love, his hope, reconciliation, restoration for the world. When we choose to come and do that together, that is the body. And I think what's so interesting in this passage is it talks about how when we all do that, the illustration is actually of a physical body. So I want everybody in the room, I want you to think about your physical body. I want everyone, look down at your hands. Look at your hands. I want you to think about the special functions. I want you to think about the uniqueness that your hands play, that no other part of your body could. I want you to reach up and just, just touch your eyes. Think about the incredible intentionality and design that went into your eyes. I want you to think about your ears. If your ears weren't there, well, you wouldn't be hearing me talking this morning, so this would be a very boring day. I want you to look down at your feet. I promise I'm not gonna make you guys do the hokey pokey this morning. <laughs> you see, every part of you has been designed with intent. Every part of you has a purpose and a body functions best when every part is doing its part. You see, if your eyes stopped working on you, you would have a bit of trouble and you would have to compensate. If, if your feet spent all of their time wishing they were your ears, you would have quite a complication. If your ears wanted to get high fives and so they were jealous of your hands, you would also have some serious problems. You see, what happens when we, as the body of Christ, come together and say, I'm gonna do my part. 
God has gifted me. When you look at yourself and realize that God has uniquely gifted every single person to contribute uniquely to the ways that we can be Christ in the world, we are better for it, and that is the church. Here and everywhere, that is the church. And church, today, I will say we have the greatest example. Mark 10, 45 says this, for even the Son of Man came to be served, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus himself was the greatest example because he knew that you were a better cause. He knew that his bride, the church, was a better cause. And so whatever sacrifice that needed to take place, whatever looked like a loss or a giving up was such a great gain because of his love for you, the church. And when we truly believe that, we are changed because a living sacrifice understands there's one who was the greatest sacrifice. A living un a sacrifice understands there is one who was the greatest sacrifice. And when we hold on to that, we choose to lay our lives down for others to experience the love and hope that we can find in Jesus. You see, we're all sitting in somebody else's sacrifice today. We're all sitting in somebody else's sacrifice today. When I think about a living sacrifice, I think about Layla, who was on our production team, who runs a camera a couple years ago when we made an announcement about a need for camera, and she said her, her heart began to beat out of her chest. You see, I think about the sacrifice she makes because she has two small girls and she gets up really early at least twice a month to serve on production team as camera. She leaves behind her two small girls where her husband stays and takes care of them, gets them ready and brings them to church because her perspective is this. By serving in this role, by playing this function, by doing this thing, there are many people that are gonna get to hear the word of God this morning through our live stream. There are many people that are gonna to get to go back and rewatch these sermons. There's many people that are gonna be able to take the sermon and share it with a friend later who couldn't be here and say, if you need some encouragement in Christ today, watch this. She has a family back home in Brazil who's able to watch what is happening even today if they want to tune into that. And let me tell you, we're all sitting in somebody else's sacrifice. When I think about a living sacrifice, I think about George Nicholson, who was actually playing bass this morning. Years ago, when they wanted to start a worship band here at this church, a worship team, we're talking like long time ago, back up in the chapel. When they wanted to start that, they came to him and said, hey, would you help out with this? Would you show some leadership with this? Will you help get this together? And I think about George, I've talked to him several times about this. I think about George being willing to truly lay himself down and go through many seasons, some of them very difficult, some of them high moments of joy, but sticking out what it means to be a living sacrifice, planting the seeds for what we get to experience today in this room. You see, we're all sitting in somebody else's sacrifice this morning. When I think about sacrifice, a living sacrifice, I think about Trevor Miller when he called me about eight years ago 
And he said, hey, I want you to come and play guitar and lead worship for, for my high school students sometime. They meet down in the chapel and God is doing an amazing thing here. We have all these passionate volunteers and students and I want God to just begin to continually change and grow even our worship culture. If you come, I'll pay you in gas money and pizza. So, okay. And I remember stepping into that situation and helping out several Sunday nights as I worked somewhere else at the time and I realized seeing the passion of those volunteers who were so invested in the life change of those students, who were loving on those students, who were praying with those students, who were meeting with those students. Outside of that room, that was just a catalyst. And I'm telling you today, I bet some of you are living in somebody else's sacrifice today. When I think about a living sacrifice, I think about Linda Till McDonald. I just heard the story two weeks ago, literally brought tears to my eyes when I was working on it. When they first started the contemporary service, it was offered at a time where there wasn't children's programming for that hour. It was only at the traditional hour because that was a much larger service. And so it was very small. This service, the contemporary service had very small beginnings and there was nowhere for these kids to be able to have a Sunday school class. And so her daughter being in fourth grade, she said, well, we'll step up and do that. And so her, along with someone else, someone took first through third, she took fourth through sixth grade and she faithfully taught that Sunday school class because she was planting a seed. Laura and her daughter, who's actually on our production staff, just told me that even when she was the only child in the class, she would still teach the class. She would still teach the class and she would still have her fill out the worksheet because she knew she was just a part of what God was doing. She said, God, use me. And I bet some of you today with your kids and kids programming, you're sitting in somebody else's sacrifice. You see, this is just the church being the church. This is not us trying to convince anyone to sign up for anything, but here's what I do know. If we, the people of God, say yes to God, if we, the people of God, say, God, use me however you want, God's gonna fill the needs of the house. That's not what I'm worried about. God's gonna fill the needs if our people, if we as people say yes to God, the community is gonna be changed. If believers across this world started saying, God, use me, I wanna be faithful to whatever you've gifted me in, however you wanna use me, I wanna serve you. If people started doing that, guess what? The world would actually change, communities would change. The need for kids to be fostered and adopted would drastically go down. The church would be the church. And here's the thing, if you look at that verse, when it says, I urge you, the word used there is not a command. It's not a condition. This is not a, you're gonna be loved by God if you get on the altar. This is not that. This is simply just saying, offer yourselves. No one is gonna drag you onto the altar. God is not gonna drag you onto the altar. But this is what I will say. God has done something for you. Now he wants to do something through you. God has done something for you in Christ the ultimate person to lay his life down. All we say this morning is, will you let God do something through you? Will you learn to love people well? 
Will you learn to say, God, I want to be your hands and feet at my job. I want to be your hands and feet when I go and serve on this trip, when I serve a meal. God, do something through me in my life. You see, this morning, whether you're someone who says, I've never even accepted what Christ has done for me, I tell you today that you can receive that. You can receive that for the first time, that you are loved, accept that, and then go and give your life for others. If that's you this morning, I don't wanna miss that moment. There will be people stationed in the prayer room off here to the right who can pray with you and talk you through what that looks like if you wanna offer your life to Christ today for the first time. But here, here's this. Maybe some of us today need to say, oh, I crawled off the altar. And I wanna crawl back up and say, God, use me. All across this room, I wanna invite you to stand. Don't rush out of this moment, because this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna take it old school today. I grew up Baptist. And as I was working on this message, I could not get this old hymn out of my mind. I think it captures better than any other song what sacrifice looks like. So if you don't know it, we're gonna sing four verses. You'll be able to catch on by the end. But I want us across this room that this is our altar. If you feel led, take a knee right where you are and say, God, use me. But may this song be our prayer this morning as we sing this out. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days.
church being the church. People saying, God, use me. Not my will, but your will be done and use me, God. If you this morning just want someone to talk to about maybe taking that first step of what it looks like to just take the first step of serving within the church because we do believe any given Sunday could be somebody's Sunday and it's a catalyst for the different ministries here at this church. If you're interested, we have several tables set up in the breezeway. And we also have ice cream Sundays to get you over there for any given Sunday. But truly, Thank you for being here this morning. May we all leave willing to lay ourselves down for the greatest cause, which is the cause of Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys have a great week.